Almighty God, with whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your scriptures and draw us ever forwards with the chains of your everlasting love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please do sit down. Good morning and uh, Happy New Year, as uh, uh, we heard uh, Mike, uh, Mike remind us at the beginning. Uh, today is, uh, is Advent Sunday, uh, which in the Christian tradition is the beginning of church's New Year. Uh, as you can see uh, from, the vest, from the vestments, um, we've changed colour from uh, red or green to purple, and we're entering a new season of the church year. And just as the temperatures drop outside and our attention switches from leaf clearing to uh, staying warm, so our focus here in church moves too. As I said, the new season is called Advent. And the meaning of this word Advent comes from Latin, comes from two words, um, ad and veneri. Uh, ad is a preposition, meaning to or towards, and veneri is the verb, to come. So together, it means to come to. But come to what? What are we coming to? Well, we know what's coming next, don't we? As all the shop displays point to, and the little people harry us to keep in mind, Christmas is coming Advent is the season that presages the nativity, the birth of Jesus, God becoming incarnate, enfleshed as a human being just like each of us, born in blood and water just like you and me. But it doesn't point to that alone. No. Advent is much more than the season before Christmas, which makes this year's readings, which this year's readings make especially apparent because they make no mention of the nativity at all, none. Instead, they point us to the promises that the scriptures make about events of the future. They point us to what is yet to come not to the anniversary of an event 2,000 years past. This is no act of remembrance. It is one of expectation with encouragement to preparation. It's one of challenge too. A few years ago, more than I care to remember actually, I, um, I spent a couple of months um, in the United States, um, but Rachel, my wife, had to stay in England because of her work. I loved my time there, but I hated us being apart. She came out a, a couple of times whilst I was there, and I came back too um, once. And these, of course, were things that I very much looked forward to, very much looked forward to. And I structured my work so that I could make the most of our time together 
when those opportunities came. Each of you, each of us, probably has something that you're looking forward to at the moment as well. But the question is, what do we do about it? We know often that something is going to happen, but do we actively prepare for it? Do we do the things that, we na- that will enable us to get the most from it when it happens? Do we work to make it happen? Do we prompt others to do the same, to be best prepared? I, back then, tried to clear my workload for when my wife was coming out to Connecticut. You might be planning your Christmas shopping to take advantage of the sales, Black Friday, cyber, whatever, those sorts of things. But what am I doing about this other thing that we're told to prepare for, this coming to? Do we allow ourselves to become so focused on things of relatively minor importance that are coming up soon that we lose sight of huge things that are further in the future? I know I do sometimes. Do we have things in place for next week's party, next month's whatever, Do we have the insurance sorted? Do we have a plan for what we're going to do once the kids leave home, once we retire, after the operation, after the hospital or the school results? The list of situations and possibilities is endless. And for most of us, the answer is no, we don't. We have no great plan. Perhaps a a vague mental post-it note for a rainy day in the far-off future suffices. Maybe these things won't happen. They won't be needed. Or maybe we think that's something I'll get around to in a few years. Now is too early. I've got other stuff going on. I'm busy. And maybe we'll be proved right. Or maybe we'll be proved wrong. And if it's the second, we'll feel very silly. And someone will carry the can for it. Today, we're pointed to the future. To Christmas, yes, but beyond that, to the end of time, to the end of everything. The themes today's readings address are those of expectation, of mystery, and of celebration celebration of the reign of God. They direct our attention forward, but to no fixed date. No one knows when this will be, not even the Son of Man, as as Matthew reminded us in that passage. So how can we plan if we don't know when? Well, we know what to do really, don't we? When we don't know when something will happen, prudence, good sense, points us to prepare as if it's going to happen very, very soon. Something perhaps immediately following the present. Get our house in order. 
I spent a little bit of time as a sort of soldier a long, a long time ago. And one of the first things that your sergeant used to tell you when you arrived in a new position, before you did anything else, was you had to start digging. You had to dig your shell scrape, dig your trench, your slip trench, whatever. That's the first thing you had to do before anything else. Because if something happened, that was going to be the thing that saved you. So do it first. Don't, not, yeah, before anything. When we have a car, we join the AA or the RAC or whatever before we break down. We don't do it afterwards. That's the kind of good sense that Isaiah and Paul and Matthew prod us towards. I think it might be worthwhile just also giving you an idea as to how far apart those writers were. Amos is like 800 years before. So these writings were over basically about a thousand years. There's a consistency to it that is a commonality of theme that is just striking. So this is the good sense of which those writers are pointing us towards. The second coming is not a vague possibility, a maybe, a maybe not situation, it's a reality. And it could be any time. We won't know when it is. And that that second coming will bring massive change and bring it so rapidly that any practical response at that moment in time will be impossible. It will just be too late. It will happen so quickly. So the implication and the charge is act now whilst you know you can. Don't risk cutting things too fine, too late. And then we have this gospel text from Matthew. It has a strong feeling of division in it. It's quite scary, I think. Some are taken, others are not. Yeah, the two in the field, one yes, one no. It has a feeling of judgment and of a winnowing. It's a bit scary. But the Isaiah text holds judgment in a fuller light. It sets the context for what is happening. And I think it's really helpful for us to reflect on. In verse 4 of that Isaiah passage, God judges all right, but the judgment is not the harsh one that we fear. For me, in my break, not the harsh one I think I deserve. It's not that judgment. The judgment Isaiah writes of is one of arbitration between people in discord. Isaiah talks of God mediating and settling disputes, of weapons being turned into tools for harvesting food to feed and sustain people. Isaiah's vision is international at the very least and quite probably universal. All nations will come to Jerusalem, the heavenly city, to know the one true God and the result will be peace. A really powerful word in Hebrew, not just the absence of violence, but much more wide-sweeping. The image of the Lord as a judge handing out punishments after establishing guilt or innocence is absent. Instead, 
this judge settles disputes between nations and resolves differences within communities and he does so that peace can be established and then maintained. Sounds a bit pie in the sky, doesn't it? A bit fairy tale. But who can fail to be moved by the possibility? Who amongst us can say that these things aren't what we hope for in a world which we see riven by confrontation, division and violence? What a vision to allow our imaginations to grasp. And when we do, how are we to respond? How do we prepare for what is coming to pass? For this settling of disputes, this mediation and this fulfilling. Well, Isaiah tells us, and Paul echoes him, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Those who live in the presence of God are to take the first steps on the path that all nations will one day tread. This is our world, our nation, our community. And our task as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to remake, to reframe them in the image Isaiah presents of justice, of healing, of equality. First steps, to be sure. But this is the path we are called to turn to. And when we are on it, we need have no fear when the day of the Lord comes. So be active in this, your community, your nation, Watch, stay awake, act. The Lord is coming. In fact, he's already here. To him who loves us and cleanses us from our sins and who makes us new, to him be glory and dominion forever. Amen.